Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We arrive at one of the most significant chapters in all of the Bible. The birth of Jesus Christ. This long-awaited prophecy of Genesis chapter 3.15 is now being fulfilled before their eyes. The promised Messiah has come. This is Jesus Christ of whom John said of John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus who will live this sinless, perfect life, become the ultimate sacrifice that all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament pointed to, the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who was born to die upon that cruel cross, bearing the sins of the whole world. The one who rose again, proving his deity, and all who call upon him will be saved. This is the redemption story. And we find here in Luke chapter 2, not only the birth of Christ, but we find a man that God really wanted us to know about, which is Simeon. Simeon was uh, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Lord's uh, Christ before he died. And uh, he uh, says there in uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I wonder if when he saw the Lord's Christ, that it's uh, immediately I thought of when Joseph and, and, uh, and, uh, and Jacob, and when Jacob found out that Joseph was still alive, uh, and he says, well, now, uh, Genesis chapter 46, verse 30 says, now let me die since I have seen thy face because thou art yet alive. And I wonder if Simeon's just like, okay, it's all, you know, I'm, I'm, it's complete. Now I can go home and, uh, and be with the Lord. And, and so we, we learn about this man, Simeon, but, uh, but the Lord also wants to show us about another person and a woman named, by the name of Anna. So we look here in Luke chapter two and verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks, likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Father, I thank you for the redemption story. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross for all of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for bearing all of the, the uh, torture and the, the scourging, the beatings, Lord, the, the cat of nine tails, the, the crown of thorns. Lord, thank you for the blood that was shed so that we can have forgiveness of sins. Lord, thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you that we can have eternal life through you. And Lord, as you have gathered us here for this time, for this moment, uh, Lord, as I was praying earlier, just being mindful of eternity, being mindful of the judgment seat of Christ, I pray that this service would be gold, silver, and precious stone. Lord, that you would do an eternal work in our midst. Lord, if there is any that does not know thee as Savior, that they would see their desperate need for Christ and come to that saving knowledge of you. And I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we would serve you and surrender our lives to you. Lord, that we would uh, be dedicated wholly like Anna was uh, to you and to your service. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us. May you have your way be done in each of our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We see that Anna, this 
widow, this woman of a great age, is going to serve God and serves God with her whole life. There was a point in her life where she says, you know what, I am going to serve God. I'm going to dedicate my life to God. Now, Anna, uh, her name means grace. Uh, she was the daughter of Phanuel, a name identical with Peniel, uh, meaning the face or the appearance of God. And although Anna's biography is one of the briefest in the Bible, God seemed, God still wants us to see a life that is fragrant, a life that God used in a great way. Uh, Anna even is a popular name today. Uh, it was ranked 20, uh, 34th in uh, 2022 in, in uh, names given to girls. And uh, 1 Timothy 5.3 says, Honor widows that are widows indeed. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplication and prayers night and day. And Anna, a worthy widow, is all that we should certainly honor. Uh, Anna served God with her life. You see, God has not just created us to sit here, but to serve. Uh, he's created us for something greater than ourselves. Uh, there is a purpose that God has for your life, a purpose that God has for mine. Uh, he has given us this time on earth to serve Him and to serve others. The greatest commandment of all is to love God and love others. Mark twelve thirty and 31. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So we're on this earth for God and for others. I was reading a book one time where a man who lived in the uh, uh, 8100s, he thought that the best way he could get close to God and to serve God is to go out into the mountain and, uh, and just spend time uh, with the Word of God and, and in prayer and not be around anybody. But as he spent time in God's Word, he's reading things like love others and uh, serve others and all of these type of things. And he says, well, how can I do that if nobody else is around? And the conclusion that he came to was, I need others in order to serve God, in order to live the Christian life that God has called me to live. And the same thing is true for us. We need each other. We need others uh, to, to help us to serve God. Now, here Anna, she serves God. Uh, she serves God in, in several different ways, but where are you serving God? Are you serving God with your life? Number one, we'll see Anna's circumstances to serve God. Number two, Anna's service to God. And then number three, Anna's reward from God. To serve God, we must serve Him through prayer, praise, and proclamation. We see, number one, Anna's circumstances to serve God. We see there in verse 36 that she was a prophetess. Uh, to prophesy simply means to proclaim a divine message. And Anna was one to whom it was given to know events before and after. Uh, one through whom God spoke to others. Now, two times in the New Testament we find uh, this word prophetess. Uh, the other prophetess is Jezebel. And uh, Jezebel, though, she names herself as a prophetess. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, God gave uh, the apostles and prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers that we no longer have apostles and prophets. What we have today are evangelists, pastors and teachers. The prophets and apostles were foundational gifts, Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Since the completion of Scripture, we no longer foretell God's Word. Now we tell forth God's Word. And so she was a prophetess. Then it says she was old. She was of a great age. 
Now, those of you that have been in our church uh, for many years, you remember Kathy Heyer. And, uh, and immediately when I think of a great age, I always think of Kathy Heyer. I'm, uh, it, it's a sad as my heart that you don't know who she is. Uh, I had a calling on my life, probably not from God, uh, to pick on uh, Kathy Heyer throughout my life. She uh, knew me since I was in preschool, and I thought she was one of these people that she's always old. Uh, you know, like when I was in preschool, I'm like, Kathy Heyer, she's an old lady. Uh, the, the sad part is she's probably about my age now. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, all throughout my life she's old, and so I'd pick on her age, and I would say, you know, she was my teacher for many years, and I said, you know, she was first-hand account with history. Uh, you know, she knew George Washington, and, and I said, she remembers when the Dead Sea was still sick. Uh, she remembers when rainbows were black and white. Uh, and the only time I've ever needed algebra was to figure out what her age is. And so, you know, I mean, I just picked on her and picked on her. We, we enjoyed it. We, we picked on each other. And, and, uh, but I think about it of a great age. And Anna is of a great age. You know how old she may have been here? It says there that she had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She, uh, may have been 84 here. It says, and in verse 37, she was a widow of about four score and four years. So 84 years. Uh, many people say, well, that's old. 84 years. But this isn't just she's 84 years. This is 84 years since her husband died. Uh, she is probably uh, between 105 to 110 years old. Now, that is old. Last Sunday, I, I preached at Downtown Baptist, and there was a lady that was there Sunday morning and Sunday night, 101 years old, uh, coming to both services, and she's such a blessing. Uh, here, Anna, she's 100, over 100 years old, and she's serving God with her life. And then she is a widow. Uh, she, it says there in verse 37, she's a widow of about four score and four years. She's widowless, and she, or she's a widow, and she's childless. Uh, she served God even though she could have had an excuse. She could have, when, when her husband died at her young age, uh, and you, she could have said, well, Lord, if I had my husband, then I could really serve you with my life. If you would have given me children, then I could have served you. I could have Raise these children to serve you. There could have been more people to go out and serve you if you would have given me children. But since you hadn't given me children, then I can't serve you. Or if I was younger, if I wasn't such of a great age, then I could really be used of God. Then I could really serve you. Or if I had more strength, then I could be obedient and do what you want me to do. Or if I had more money or had better health, then I could serve you. Or if I was gifted in music, then I could serve you in the area of music. Or God, if you would have given me a different personality, if you'd have made me maybe more outgoing like somebody else that's more gifted in these, these things, maybe I could have served you if you would have gifted me in a different way. I think of one Wednesday night, I don't know if it was last year or maybe two years ago, that pastor preached on the runner's limp. And, and how that in a race, sometimes you, know, you see the, the first, second, third place, and then near the end, here comes this one runner that's hobbling. And the reason why he's hobbling isn't really so much that he got hurt as that he's faking the injury. Well, I couldn't be in the, in the top tier because I have this injury in my foot, and so I can't do it, and he makes an excuse. The pastor uh, very transparently said, throughout ministry, I have had the runner's limp. I make excuse of why I can't do certain things. You know, I have the same thing. I make excuses of why I can't be used. It goes back even to Moses. Uh, what did Moses do? Moses made excuses of why he couldn't 
be, be used of God. Exodus 4 and verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, I am of slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Lord has said that many times to me. Or who maketh the dumb or deaf, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You see, Anna did not make any excuses of why she couldn't serve God. And you and I shouldn't make excuses either. Maybe you have, you right now, you've known of an excuse why you can't be used. You say, well, I can't do this certain thing, so God can't use me. Older Christians can be used of God in some great ways, just like Anna. No matter our circumstances that we had, she had some hard circumstances, but she was being used of God. Uh, in the church in Modesto, there was an older man that came up to me and he says, Tim, I, I really believe God wants to use me. What I'm struggling with is getting out of my comfort zone. But until I get out of my comfort zone, God can't use me like He really wants to use me. So would you please pray for me with that? You know, we I want to be comfortable. We have this comfort zone, and, and uh, we, uh, we use this that as an excuse of why we can't be used. You know, you and I will never grow uh, much in Christ if we stay in our comfort zone. We've got to get out of the comfort zone. Get rid of the excuses. God still has you here on this earth. There's still something He wants you to do. There's still someone He has for you to reach. Anna was desolate. She was alone. She was solitary. A widow can know what it's like to face a long and lonely, cheerless life. The solitude made more acute because of the remembrance of happier days. Herbert Lockyer said, But this was not so with Anna. When as a young, motherless wife, God withdrew from her the earthly love she rejoiced in. She did not bury her hope in the grave. In the place of what God took, he gave her more of himself. And she became devoted to him and had promised to be as a husband to the widow. And throughout her long widowhood was an unwearing devotion to him. She desired to dwell in God's house all the days of her life. See, Anna served God with her life. Are you serving God with your life? Now, as I was praying this morning and preparing for this message, there was something God struck my heart about, and that is surrendering your life to the Lord. I remember as a teenager, uh, before God had called me to be an evangelist, uh, I remember it was a Sunday night, pastor was preaching uh, with about the, the cross and the blood of Christ, and, and we had communion service that night, and I thought, here, I've done all this. You know, I'm, I'm living for baseball, living for all these other things. I'm not living for God. I said, God, I surrender my life to you. Whatever you want to do with it. God, I'm all yours. Whatever you want to do, I surrender. I didn't know that God was going to call me to be an evangelist. I didn't know all that God was going to do and, and the blessings I was going to receive. I've never regretted surrendering to the Lord. Anna, there was a point in her life where she says, I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ. I'm going to dedicate it to God. Have you ever surrendered your life to the Lord? Say, God, everything. All my talents, all my time, everything I have. God, I am all yours. I completely surrender. Have you ever surrendered your life to the Lord? Many of us have. We have surrendered. And we need to keep staying surrendered. And to keep having that passion to serve God. So we see Anna's circumstances. She didn't make excuses of why she couldn't be used. But now notice number two, Anna's service to God. It says there in verse 37, she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers 
night and day. She served God. Uh, this uh, Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now that verse, you might think, well, if I could just attain Romans 12.1, if I can get to that pinnacle of Christianity. But Romans 12.1 is not the pinnacle of Christianity. It's the very beginning. It's the basics that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. God never asks you to do anything reasonable. It is logical that I would give my life for Christ. When I think of Isaac Watson, he's, and he thinks about Christ and all that he went through on the cross, and he says, were the whole realm of nature behind. That were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands my soul, my life, my all. That's a reasonable service after all that Christ has done for us. And so she has this service. Now, this word service... Uh, she served God. It means to carry out duties in a spirit of worship. To carry out duties in a spirit of worship. You know what her service was? It was a worship to God. Now, we have uh, become uh, accustomed to thinking that worship is just a song service. That's what worship is. We have worship uh, uh, music. Uh, there's worship pastors and worship teams. You know who the ultimate worship pastor is, is the head pastor. Uh, it, it's, worship is not all music, though it does. I definitely uh, have that throughout Scripture. Yeah, we worship God through music, but you know what? You worship God right now. You're saying, God, this morning I am going to church. It is more important to me than anything else that I have going on right now. Lord, you are more important to me to hear your word, to be there with the, uh, with the other uh, uh, church folks. This God, I am worshiping you. I am attributing worth by coming to the service Sunday morning. That's what worship is. It's attributing worth to something. You attribute worth by listening to the Word of God. Uh, we uh, worship God as we give, uh, you know, financially. We worship God as we hear the messages. We worship God as we sing. We worship God as, as Anna does through her service of prayer and fasting. So this, this, uh, this uh, word service means carrying out duties in the spirit of worship. Why do we serve God? Why do we do the certain things? Why do you clean the, the toilets and uh, at church? And why do you go through all those things? Ultimately, it's for Him. It's for God. Uh, he's the one that, that we're serving. He, it's ought to be done out of a devotion and a love for Him. Someone said a biblical theology of worship will result in worship that produces a change of heart. The worshiper will have an ever greater desire to love and obey God. Worship and service go hand in hand. Worship of God should propel us unto greater obedience. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If we love and worship him, but do not, if we say that we love and worship him, but do not obey him, our worship is worthless. Someone said the worship and praise of God demands a shift of center from self to God. Here's one of the greatest values of praise. It decentralizes self. I'm a very selfish person. You are a very selfish person. And when we spend our time in worship, no longer is the attention upon us. Now it's upon Him. It's about exalting Him. It's about serving Him. It's about making Him look good. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6 is not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ 
doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. I, uh, Meg and I were talking about uh, somebody that we know that uh, had just uh, left their church and they grew up in that church, served in that church for many, many years and poured their life in that church and now they've taken a, uh, a position as a, as a senior pastor and try to watch as the church was saying goodbye to that family. And, uh, and my wife said, I, I just, you know, they don't even realize, that church doesn't realize how much they invested in that church and those people. doesn't realize how much they sacrificed for them. And it seems like that their goodbye just wasn't as, uh, as uh, uh, you know, appreciative as, you know, Megan thought that it should be. You know, it's hard to be appreciative of even ministers. You really don't know what all they go through, but God does. And I said, God will reward them. God knows all of those things. And we don't do it to please others. We do it ultimately to please God. Not with eye service as men pleasers. But the reason why we're doing this is to please Him. It's to serve Him. It's to worship Him. She served God. She served God how? Through fasting. Now, fasting is not commanded in Scripture, but it would do us well to partake in it. It, it, uh, Jesus expected His disciples to fast. He says, moreover, when ye fast, Matthew 6.16. What does it mean to fast? It means to afflict. Isaiah or, uh, chapter 58 and verse 5, Is it not such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it, not to, is it to bow down the head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? In Joel chapter 1, verse 14, Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. Oh, throughout Scripture we find this matter of fasting. To afflict our souls, to, to go without food. You say, well, I can't fast. I've got some health issues. I've got some medical conditions that I just, I can't fast. Uh, you, and it may be that you can't do a long period of fast. But do you know that every one of us do fast? We break fast. Uh, you know, in the mornings, we eat breakfast. We're breaking the fast. And even my mom, when she was having different tests done with her cancer, and uh, my mom's told me uh, uh, many years ago, she says, Tim, I, I wish I can fast, but just physically, I just, I can't do it. Uh, you know, just the, you know, the headaches and different things. And, and yet when uh, she's doing these tests uh, and uh, procedures there at the hospital, the doctor says, uh, Terry, you need to fast for such and such time, you know, maybe 24 hours or 16 hours or 20 hours, whatever the, the case was. And so she had to do that. You know, what it would be if, if uh, God would have you to say, you know what, I'm, you say to the Lord, I'm not going to eat yet because what I have on my heart is more important right now than my food. Jeremiah, or, uh, Job chapter 23, verse number 12, Neither have I gone back to the commandments of his lips, for I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job said, God, your word is more important to me than the very food that I need to live. Uh, it is more important than my necessary food. We have uh, this meeting coming up with the, the Garraways. The best revival meetings that Meg and I have is when God's already at work in that church. Not when we come in and try to seek to stir something up but where God's already moving. Oh, then in the next three weeks, that God would move in my heart, that God would move in your heart, that maybe in the next three weeks before this meeting, that God would call us to fast. Say, so, you know, I'm going to not eat breakfast yet. I'm going to pray for this revival meeting with the Garraways. 
I'm going to pray that God would give me somebody that I can invite. Somebody that I can, uh, can, can come and, and, uh, and give the gospel to. Uh, you know, it'd be a, just the best meetings we've had is when God's already at work. And so uh, I want God to already work in my heart in these next several weeks. And you ought to seek God uh, and let Him work in your heart. Is, is it important enough for you to, to skip a meal, to, to say, God, I'm going to pray over these things, or to pray over the missionaries, or to pray for the church services? Uh, we ought to be praying for the church services uh, uh, each week uh, here at Faith. And so, God, uh, we can serve God how? Through fasting. She served God through fasting, but then she served God through prayer. She says he, she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now, this word that is used for prayer is a, is a deeper burden. Uh, this is a supplication for others. And there are different levels of prayer. Even at Matthew chapter 7, ask, seek, knock. There's a different urgency. Uh, and sometimes you go from asking to you get more burdened about something, and now you're seeking, and then you're very burdened, like, God, you've got to answer this. Uh, God, I, you know, I need you to, to work in this situation. Uh, even the word importunity is a deep prayer burden that will not take no for an answer. And this type of praying that Anna had was a deep prayer of supplication for others. This is not easy praying. This is not an easy life. No, it's a burdensome life. It takes a lot out of you to, to have a, a, this type of praying for others. It's the same word that was used in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul was so burdened for the salvation of those that were lost, and, and we ought to have that same kind of a passion to, to pray for others. They serve God not only by giving money, but by their prayers in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse uh, number 14, and by their prayer for you. How can we serve God? By praying. By praying for others. I told the church there at Calvary in Linda, I said, what a great way to serve the, the, the city or the town of Linda. What a great way to say, we're going to pray over every house that is here in Linda. And, uh, you know, that is one way that we can all serve God. I don't know what kind of abilities. You may not be able to play the piano and all those other kind of things, but every single one of us can do some type of a fasting and we can all pray. These are two areas that Anna served God with her life. And God heard her prayers. Uh, God used her in a great way. I, I think of my own grandmother who went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago and, and, uh, and how God used her at, at Heritage Baptist Church in San Leandro where Pastor Fong and the other people said, your grandmother's our secret weapon. And I said, how is that? Is that she prays for us. And my grandmother not only prayed, but she'd get a hold of the ear of God. Like you knew she was praying. And we need people like that here at Faith Baptist. And there'd be people that would enroll in the ministry of prayer. This is a ministry. This is a way that you, you and I can serve God through fastings and prayers. But then I, I submit to you two other ways that she served God. We look there in verse 38, and she coming in that instant gave thanks. So she, she served God through fasting and prayers, but then she served God through praise. She gave thanks unto God. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Uh, one of our former pastors, uh, when Megan and I first got married, uh, the Cummins, uh, Pastor Cummins passed away about a year or so ago, and but we were there about two years ago at their house in South Carolina, and, and uh, Pastor Cummins was, both of Pastor and Mrs. Cummins were such godly people, and uh, we were there at her house, and, and uh, that year, uh, Mrs. Cummins uh, 
Uh, she'd had COVID. Uh, she had been in a car accident, and then I think she also was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I think she uh, was uh, paralyzed or something where she can't walk again. And uh, she always has, when, you know, throughout the years that we've known her, she's always had just a joyful spirit. And she didn't speak much that day. We were probably there for, I don't know, two hours, and Pastor Cummins was doing most of the talking. But Mrs. Cummins probably spoke for just a minute or two. She said, I never wanted to be old. I asked God if he was going to entrust me with age that he wouldn't, that I wouldn't lose my joy, that I would be a joyful older person. And I tell you, she only spoke for just a few moments uh, as we were there, but the glory of God just radiated off, radiated off of her. I mean, the joy that she had in Christ, meant that her life spoke volumes. I had a great time with Pastor Cummins, but it was just as special those few moments to be with Mrs. Cummins. Why? Because she was giving thanks. And it was one of these ladies that was giving thanks and praise unto the Lord. And so you and I ought to do so as well. We all can give thanks unto the Lord. Matthew Henry said, The lips soon to be silent in the grave should be showing forth the praises of the Redeemer. There is so much negativity in this world. You work with so many people that are negative. You and I can stand out in this. We can give thanks. We can have praise unto our God. But then we see the other way that she served God is that she proclaimed the Messiah. Look there in verse 38. And spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She was one of the first ones to share the good news of the gospel. She was one of the first ones to proclaim that Christ has come. She wanted to tell everybody about the Savior. Do you want to tell everybody about the Savior? You look at Antonio uh, in our church when he got saved. You know what? He got on fire for souls. And, and, and you, we, as I've, of course, been saved for many years, you know, we lose that fire. But even if we don't have the fire, we need to be obedient and still give out the gospel. Do you have a passion to see other people come to know Christ as your Savior? Do you have a passion to give out the gospel? When's the last time you handed out a tract to somebody? When's the last time you gave your testimony to somebody? We have those tracks in the back. We have the tracks of the Reagan tracks that the uh, pastor uh, uh, met Ronald Reagan and all of that. I've given those out. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've been with pastor. And he's given those out. You know who's the best one to give out that track as pastor? Because I didn't meet Ronald Reagan. That's not my story. That's his. And God has given you a story. God has given you a salvation testimony. I can't give it for you. God has called you to give it. Oh, that this week God would give you a divine appointment to share your salvation testimony with somebody else. If you have not handed out, if you cannot remember the last time you handed out a track, may I submit to you this morning that it's been too long? That you that we need to get back to being to, to, to having this passion for the gospel. My grandmother, uh, uh, there at 94 years old, she was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. She asked me three questions. The last three questions she asked me was, How's Megan? Have you seen anybody get saved recently? I was able to tell her about a little girl that had gotten saved. And then she says, how's Pastor Rogers? <laughs> and that was her last question that she asked me. Uh, she was a woman of prayer, but she was a woman that was about the gospel of Christ. All of us can be about the gospel of Christ. There's somebody this week that God wants you to share your salvation testimony to. Uh, Matthew 6, 16, 15, and he said, him, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Charles Spurgeon said, if you have lived to bring one sinner to Christ, you have not lived in vain. 
When's the last time you sought to give the gospel out to somebody? Anna was so joyous and, and uh, so zealous to give out the gospel. She spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Christ Jesus. We see, lastly, her reward. Uh, we see number. Uh, we see that uh, uh, she had this reward of not only hearing about Christ, but she sees him face to face. When Anna encounters the infant Jesus in the temple, we see that her life is indeed overflowing with favor and grace. You see, faithful years of service will be rewarded. God sees all that you do for Him and others. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have ministered to the saints in His name and do minister. God rewards faithful service. And all these years that she's serving God, God gives her a tremendous gift. She was able to see. She was one of the first to see, to praise, and to give thanks for the Messiah. One of the first to tell others about Christ. She received God. She received more of God. This Anna, the prophetess, who uh, was among the first few to bring honor to the kingly uh, babe born in a stable, was now able to tell others about Christ. What stands out was her constant devotion throughout her life. Her devotion was rewarded by her encounter with the Savior. Her father's name, Benuel, comes from the word Peniel, which means the face of God. Anna, whose father name means the face of God, sees the real face of God, Jesus Christ. Oh, I believe that she would sing with Fanny Crosby. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. She was so excited to see the Savior, and she wanted to tell about the redemption story. Are you serving God with your life? Are you serving him through prayer? Are you serving Him through praise? Are you serving Him through proclaiming the gospel?